Welcome to Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It doesn't take into consideration your personal situation, circumstances, or needs. All right, Shani, we'll get into part two in one second. But once again, our conference, if you're interested in getting on our wait list, which will give you the lowest price tickets we have, please do that. There's a link in the show notes. And the conference, once again, is October 13th in Sydney at the ICC. All right. So, Shani, we did part one. And part Mm -hmm. one really sort of set the stage of what investors should look out for over the next couple months as we start to hear from companies. And part two, which I will say is a lot shorter, we didn't exactly (laughs) split this in the middle, but I think it makes sense where we split it. Part two is, of course, what you should do about it, because that's pretty important. So what you should do about it as investors. So you're ready to get started on this very short part two? Let's get into it. Okay. So as always, nobody, of course, knows where the market is going from here. We don't think we are quite there yet. And once again, we, of course, could be wrong. We need to acknowledge that. But we just think that markets tend to overshoot on both sides. So for bubbles, we think things go way further than they should. And I think the same thing on the downside. And it might take a little bit of time, of course, for this bear market to play out. So the market is trying to figure out exactly what is going on, which means we keep getting more data points, so more inflation readings, more statements from central bankers, and of course, earnings, which we'll get and we're starting to get from the US. And then we'll get in Australia in August. And as we get more data points, we're going to see the market bounce around with some rallies and then some falls. But I think we both think, Shani, that the overall direction Mm -hmm. will be down. Yeah. And one thing we've been chatting about uh, a bit since um, about the G- is about the GFC, which is a pretty good example of how forward-looking the market is. During the GFC, the market in the US bottomed out in March of 2009. But when the market bottomed out, the economy was still in pretty terrible shape. And the recession didn't end for another quarter. And of course, we didn't know the recession was over until another quarter after that when there was GDP growth again. Unemployment didn't peak until November of 2009 at over 10%. And it took nearly seven more years before unemployment fell to 4.7%, which was the level prior to the recession. And this is where we want to make a really important point, because we're getting lots of questions from people saying that if we expect the market to keep falling why wouldn't we just recommend that you go to cash, have the market fall, and then get back in at lower prices when it is quote unquote safe? And we get why this sounds good and makes sense, but we want to be very clear about something here. The chances of you being able to do that successfully are next to nothing. As the GFC example showed us, there was nothing that seemed safe about the market that would induce anyone to get back in. And here's the thing, in between now and when this market bottoms, it will break a lot of people's will. And this will happen because there will be a bear market rally and another bear market rally, and each one will break and the market will then go down and hit a new low. So when you combine those two things, the fact that the rally will start when the economic situation probably looks awful and that you'll be conditioned to think that every rally is just going to be a trap because the market will fall, that makes it hard. And this is basically the opposite of how people get conditioned to buy the dip during a long bull market. Okay, so let's go back to that GFC example. We can look at the period between March of 2009, remember that's when the market bottomed out, 
and then when unemployment peaked in the U.S. And there's no real reason for looking at this period because it isn't like unemployment hitting 10% and then falling slightly the next month was a great situation. But anyway, Shani, what was the return in that very short period of time between March and November? Okay, so in those eight months, the S&P 500 went up over 48%. Yeah, 48%. That is a lot. It is a lot. So let's say you go to cash and you're waiting for it to be safe. At what point would you get back in? Would you get back in when the recession officially ended at the end of September? Well, the market was up 40% by then. Maybe you would just wait to see that the rally was real after it hit a low. How long would that take considering you've been conditioned to think that each rally would fizzle? Well, after three months, it was already up 25%. Two months, it was up 18%. So the point is that this is really hard. And by really hard, I guess we mean impossible. And one last thing I would ask people that have decided now is the time to go to cash is why did you pick now? Is the driver just that the market fell? Because if it is, that is understandable, but also a really bad reason to make an investment decision. We've said many times that making decisions based on performance, whether good or bad, rarely turns out well. And we, of course, want to be sympathetic here because we know how stressful it can be to watch your account fall in value. But along with our empathy, we also want to provide you with guidance to help you make smart decisions that will help you achieve your goal. Let's spend a minute breaking this down. We want you to take a step back from the emotions that a market fall elicits and try to be thoughtful and structured around any decision making. So take us through this, Shani. All right. So deciding that now is the time to go to cash is an asset allocation decision. You're deciding to allocate more or all of your portfolio to cash. And you're doing this not because you think cash will be a good investment, because let's be clear that in a high inflation and still low interest rate environment, cash is a terrible investment. You're doing this because you're trying to avoid volatility of the share market. And there are two types of asset allocation decisions you can make. You can make a strategic asset allocation decision, which is a long-term asset allocation decision. Involves determining your goal, calculating your required rate of return, and identifying a long-term asset allocation that will help you achieve your goal. And we've both gone through this process and we'll update you on where we stand soon during our portfolio review episode, but we've both determined that we want 90% exposure to growth assets because we both have a pretty long time until our goals and need relatively high returns. But then the second type of asset allocation decision is tactical. A tactical asset allocation decision means that you will deviate from your strategic or long-term asset allocation temporarily before going back to it at some time in the future. And we'll cover the reasons that you may do this in a second, but it's important to note that there are costs associated with this decision. There may be taxes incurred and you will pay trading fees, both direct fees and also the bid-ask spread. But more importantly, there is the opportunity cost of making the wrong decision. Now, as we said earlier, we both strongly believe that any tactical asset allocation changes that are made should not be based on market movements. If you are making this move, you should do it based on something more concrete like valuation levels. And this, of course, as people that have listened to this know, is what I did. So I made a tactical asset allocation decision a couple of years ago to build up cash. And we've been quite vocal on this podcast or in webinars and in articles that this was a bubble. The returns we had been receiving were not normal and that valuation measures were as high as they've ever been in history. None of that, of course, meant that the market was going to drop, that that drop was imminent or you know, occurring at any point, but it's still a fact. And it caused me personally to slowly increase my cash allocation to around 25%, 
instead of my long-term asset allocation target of 10% defensive assets. But the key here is that the decision that Mark made was based on valuations and not performance, because most investors unfortunately do the opposite. When markets are up, they believe that they are safe and shovel more money into the market. When markets are down, they look to sell. And this is an emotional response. And while it's completely understandable, it is still very unlikely that an emotional response is going to be the right one. And we all respond emotionally, but our goal should be to try to limit that. If we look at markets this year, we need to understand that they are less risky after the fall. They are less risky with lower valuation levels than they were in January, even if nobody noticed that. We would like to conclude by once again saying that we know this is an incredibly difficult time for investors. We're trying our best to provide content that helps to break through this emotion and helps you stay the course and achieve your goals. And please make sure that you are making decisions with your goals in mind and trying to be as rational as possible in a difficult situation. Make sure there's a real basis for the decisions you are making. I certainly expect to be in a position to buy. Things keep going as they are, but in my mind, we aren't there yet. That's my decision. My decision will be based on valuation levels and tangible things like higher dividend yields as the market keeps falling. I'll be transparent about when I've reached that point on this podcast, but I also want to be transparent that I'm not trying to catch the bottom of the market because that is impossible. I'm trying to get comfortable with valuation levels before putting any additional funds to work, which is very different than thinking I can predict when markets stop falling. All right, Shani. So as we said, that is a brief second part, but <laughs> hopefully still a good one. So once again, if you want to sign up for the waitlist for our conference and get our best prices, that is in the show notes. And as always, we would love recommendations, we would love ratings, and we would love comments. So thank you guys very much for joining us. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.